Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group. Featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents, you'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. I've got Greg Harrelson with me. We've got Brendan Payne with us. We're going to talk about how Brendan has gone from uh, essentially being an agent and even being out of the real estate world all the way up to being a successful entrepreneur and a partner in the business with Greg. So let's uh, let's bring in Greg Harrelson. First of all, Greg, how are you today? And I'm doing fantastic. Uh, as we uh, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, Matt, um, the the podcast is named Level Up from Agent to Entrepreneur. So if there's ever a time that we could really explain what that really means, I think we can do it today with Brendan. So I'm excited to kind of get the story out there and and uh, and share with people what's possible when it comes to a career in real estate. Yeah, and that's it's going to be a great episode specifically for that. And then if we have time, we'll get into a little bit of the leadership challenges and how to grow your leadership skills as you go from being that top producer over into being more of a leader and a team builder. But Brendan, let's start with you. Kind of share with people, just give them kind of a 60 second bio on who you are, what you do now and where you're based at. Yeah, so right now I'm uh, I'm obviously in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina is where I have my primary uh, my personal business, my productions in Myrtle Beach. And then, um, as you mentioned, uh, Greg and I are partners in, we have two offices in Charleston, South Carolina. So I'm still producing, um, you know, did um, 165 transactions last year and have built out my team a little bit and uh, moved on to taking a little bit more of a, a active role in leadership and building the team um, with the companies down in Charleston. And what is your, on the production side, what does your personal team look like? So I've got um, two listing specialists and a buyer specialist right now. So in 2016, that's what it looked like in terms of production. And then my personal staff, I've got um, a full-time admin. And then about a year and a half ago, I transitioned to get some of more of my time back, transitioned out of doing some of the servicing and the negotiating and hired a, a full-time negotiator. Really, a, a client care coordinator is, is mm. uh, the, the, the role. Very cool. All right. And then Greg, kind of share a little bit, like when did you guys first meet? Take us back to that a little bit. And when did Brendan uh, kind of come into your world? Yeah. You know, um, I feel like I, you know, I guess I met Brendan probably five years ago, but I think he would say maybe, <laughs> maybe eight or nine years ago, we've known these as when we first connected and, and really Brendan was interesting. He was working with uh, Lowe's for a while and I think for a good while. And he came to me probably six months before I got into real estate and was just interviewing and uh, a bunch of companies to decide, is he going to actually make a career move? And if he was going to make a career move, you know, is who, which company he's going to go with. So fortunate that he, uh, he chose us, but that's really how we met is he was actually making a career move out of uh, Lowe's hardware. Okay. And Brandon, how did you come across Greg and what were you thinking about real estate? Did you, did you respond to an ad or like, how did you even encounter Greg to begin with? Yeah. So I, um, I was in, like Greg mentioned, I was in uh, retail uh, corporate management. So I was um, over multiple stores and had bounced around a little bit in that industry and got out here in, in that world, in, in the corporate world. I, I kind of uh, experienced the corporate ladder of death where you keep moving up and the opportunities get, get fewer. Um, or you, you move on and you find something else. And as I you know, looked at my family and stuff, r- realized I didn't want to keep moving from one area of the country to the next. So I, I actually, the real estate came into mind because I had bought and sold a couple of homes, got real lucky 
and made some money. And I thought there was a couple of times where I thought, man, what am I, this would be a great industry um, to be in eventually. And in the market that I was at, there wasn't a lot of opportunity um, outside of what I was doing at that time to be able to replace my income. So I needed to, I mean, I was, I had a decent salary, had um, decent benefits and I had to replace that. And so without uh, going back to school to be, you know, one of the, the major professions, doctor, attorney, something like that, um, that was the industry that I thought offered the most opportunity. And I think originally when I got hooked up with um, the company, as Greg said, I've been interviewing 10 to 12 different uh, uh, companies here in town because I was very clear on what I needed and didn't find it from, you know, the first probably six months. And then, uh, he was, he had advertised, he was doing a new agent seminar and had contacted at that time. Um, the, the contact person that was handling them just said, give me some ideas of what you guys do. And that subsequently let, uh, that got us together in a, in just kind of a pre-meeting to, he asked, you know, what are you looking for? And then that kind of took off from there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So Greg, do you remember your initial impressions and, and what your impression was of, of Brendan's skill set and his experience at that point? Um, yeah, I, I can't recall what my initial impression was, but, you know, here's the way that I, I, I uh, usually approach it is I, I become very transparent with anybody I'm talking to about what we do as a company. Here's what it's going to take to succeed. So if somebody tells me, hey, I want to make one hundred thousand dollars, well, I'm going to tell them exactly what I think it's going to take in order for them to do that. And I'm not going to candy coat it. I'm not going to judge them as as can they tolerate what I'm getting ready to tell them? Should I dilute it a little bit and tell them maybe they should just do mailers? Maybe they should just do these passive things. No, I, I lay it out and say, hey, look, if you want to actually be what you say you want to be, then these are the steps you have to take. So what I can remember about Brendan is when we laid it out, he decided that he wanted to opt into the program. So that 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 right there alone tells me everything I need to know about this particular agent or at that time potential agent, which is, hey, they're willing to follow structure. They like to they like systems. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to be focused. They're going to be committed. So that's really my first impression. And that's how I got the impression, which is by being transparent and him saying I'm in because there's a lot of real estate agents out there right now that they have big goals. But when you tell them what they have to do in order to get the goal, then all of a sudden their goals change. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is people want the big goal. They want either a lot of deals or they want a certain amount of money. The question always lies, though. It's always, are you willing to do what it's going to take to get there in the time that you say you want it? Right. And that's also important that it determines the activity. So that's that's one of the things that Brendan uh, did. So, you know, one of the things I'd say to Brendan or ask Brendan, I think the audit would be helpful for the audience would be, you know, your first year. What were some of the things that you committed to? Because remember, you're not an agent and you became an agent. You became an from an agent. You went to becoming a top producer and from a top producer, you became an entrepreneur. And then eventually you became my partner. And I think that's very important because a lot of people that listen to these podcasts are wondering, how do I get there? And maybe they don't want to get to partner, but maybe they want to advance from one stage to another stage. So how did you get to become a, a, a good agent? And then I'm going to ask you about the next step, which is top producer. I share that with the audience. 
I think in the beginning that what what attracted me and what got me to say, yes, this is the system that's going to work for me is I came from an environment where everything that we did was very structured. So there was in any type, most corporate environments, everything is laid out. You know, there's a policy and a procedure. There is a directive. There is 10 revisions when they figure out something else that needs to be done. And you just literally take that. And for every part of the business, you just move forward with that. So when I, when I sat down with you and you said, okay, here's the three requirements, here's what you need to do, then that was a natural fit. So I was very comfortable. And actually, that's, that's what I had been missing in the first 11 people that I talked with is it was all very, it was, it was all conceptual. Well, you got to come in and you got, you know, I know you're going to be great in this. It was all a lot of rah-rah, which was great. It made you feel good. But they couldn't introduce me to anybody that said, all right, go do what he does follow this program and then you should be able to get the results as long as you show up and work. So that part of it is what, you know, when I committed to saying, okay, I'm going to come in, I'm going to be in here five days a week. I'm going to, I'm going to prospect at night. I'm going to do my Saturdays. And the reason I was able to commit to that is because I could connect the dots between if I do this, then this is typically the results. Then the only thing I had to decide is, and is there anything different about me that will not allow me to do the same thing that you've already shown works? Like, okay. is there anything that, that is inherently different about my skills or my commitment? And once I said, no, I, I think I'm as talented as anybody else, then it was, it was on. So your first one or two years, I think your first year, you were somewhere close to that 40 transaction. Is that right? Am I saying that correctly? Or was that your second yeah. year? No, first year was 42. I closed 42 transactions in the first year. Okay, so for the audience, Matt, think about that. Here we are, somebody that has no real estate experience coming in blind when it, yeah. well, he, he lucked out and got a couple deals on personal sales and, you know, got a little seed money, I guess. But I don't think it was enough deals where he came in and, 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 and could flounder for a couple years. So, right. you know, here he is doing, say, almost 40 deals or right in that 40 deal range. So that's pretty good. And the key is that, that for, for those that are listening, he did it because he followed a system. It, he was very structured and very disciplined. He just followed the system. He gets there. Now, how do you get from agent to top producer? How did that happen? And top producer, we'll call it a hundred transactions. What shifts and what things did you have to do, Brendan, to go from the 50, 60 type of production to a hundred? What are some of the things you had to do? What's some of the challenges you had? Oh yeah. So the Going from the zero to that 42, no doubt about it, that was in, in my entire career, that was the most difficult part. So I actually began at zero, zero skills, zero inventory, zero experience, and had to, and had to start building momentum. Once I got to through that first year of doing 40 transactions, then in order to, if you think back, in order to do 40 transactions, the amount of people that I had to talk to and the amount of people that I was able to put in a database, the amount of conversations that I had, I think I probably, I remember thinking after the first year or two, it's, it's pretty simple why most agents aren't doing more business because over the course of a year or two, if you commit to a system of generating you literally get the experience of maybe five or six years of a normal agent's business in year one. So about the time that the skills really started kicking in and I actually knew what I was talking about, 
and and could could really um, be good in, at communicating with the buyers and sellers. About that same time, the what I had done in the past, the accumulation, the compound effect of all the people I talked to started kicking in. So not only was I generating new business, talking to the same amount of people, my skills were better. So I was converting more of them. Uh-huh. And on top of that, the people I already talked to, they were coming and saying, well, I talked to you last year. I wasn't ready. Now I am. And that really was the progression. So from, I think from 42, I went to probably, I think 65. And then the next year was like 89. And then the next year was over a hundred. And that was that process. And uh-huh. each step of that, was was a result of increasing skills and then getting getting the servicing side off my plate. So I just transitioned out of doing all the extra stuff with a listing and just going to generating, just generating activities. So as a brand new agent, how many contacts were you making per day? There was no, there wasn't a day that went by that I was making less than thirty five. The goal was uh-huh. fifty, and Got so it. on a on a weekly basis, the goal was uh, two hundred fifty contacts. Yeah. So let me just throw like a a rule of thumb. And this is straight from Mike Ferry. And and of course, we do a lot of the Mike Ferry uh, organization techniques and strategies. And Brendan is definitely a Mike Ferry agent. Um, The rule of thumb is this, the number, especially for somebody that's got, um, let's just say, uh, they're not the most experienced. Okay. So this is more of a beginner agent, uh, an, an average agent. The number of contacts you make daily will likely be the same amount of closings you have annually. So when you're first starting out, Brendan, see, notice Brendan says never made less than 35. His goal was 50. Well, let's just assume that he averaged 40, 45, somewhere in that range. Well, he did 42 deals. You see how the number of contacts he did daily equaled the number of closings he did annually in that first year. That is a rule of thumb. That is a foundational statement. That is a core fundamental in real estate. If you are out there right now and you're kind of starting out, you're wanting to jumpstart your business, you could just use that formula right there and say, you want to do 40 transactions? Start doing 40 contacts a day and do it for 220 working days out of the year and tell me what your results are. Now, now what Brendan's talking about is let's talk about going to top producer. Well, as a top producer, he says, well, I had to do the same amount of contacts, but now my skills are better. And the, and the combination between skills being better, making the same contacts and some of the old contacts from the prior year coming back, maturing and saying, come list me. Now he starts doing 60, 80 and plus. So now you're a top producer. So what are the, um, so to really go from 80 to 100, Brendan, you know, that that 80s to 100, because I always tell you guys, man, 100 is a big deal. It's a big deal for you mentally. It's a it's just a big deal. Not a lot of people get over 100. What were your biggest challenges to get to that 100? Because if I remember correctly, you know, you probably wanted 100 about a year before you actually hit it. What are what was your biggest challenge? The, the looking back on it now, the biggest challenge um, to break through that mid-range, that 50, 60 deals was the the staff, was the people that were around me that allowed me to actually then really focus on on the uh, the generating side. Because there's a lot of stuff in the business that will take us away and the, the best intentions are there. 
But if you are going and handling everything outside of generating, you're going to continually ride that roller coaster. So it took me four, four or five um, staff members to get the right combination of somebody who, and it really took them probably a year to where we really fit. And once we really fit and she knew everything that I was doing and I knew everything that she was capable of doing, then that opened up the ability to really start cranking out the numbers um, with a lot with a lot less effort. Yeah, got it. So and I think a lot of people need to know also that when he when Brendan uh, described his team earlier, um, his team right now is probably bigger in the number of headcount than what his production is. But let me explain. Okay. He's ramping up his team right now so he can leverage his skills and leverage um, other people while he's actually now going on and being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur and a business owner. So there's a lapse there, right? It's like he could scale down his team and probably go to that 160 and 200 where he already is. But in order for him to maintain, say, a 200 level and build a company that is actually developing talent and developing and cloning Brendan's in those other companies, then he has to be kind of staff heavy in order to get there. So I just wanted to kind of share that because I don't want everyone to say, well, gosh, if I want to go do 150 deals, I got to go hire a bunch of people. That's actually not the case. We're having an entrepreneurial conversation right now. This is a business owner conversation. So your top agent. Uh, you know, you reach top agent status. What about the tradition, uh, the transition to entrepreneur and and um, actually becoming business partner? It was just a natural progression for me because you followed all the proper steps. But what about you? What were you thinking? Why did you even decide to go into that route or the, into that area? Yeah, well, when I first started the after after I got through the initial period of am I going to am I going to actually make it in this business, which even at 42 transactions, just so everybody can kind of feel comfortable with where you're at, maybe mentally, whether you're doing 42 or 142, I was still had that doubt. Like, am I am I, is this a fluke? Am I am I going to was this just a lucky year next year? It's all going to go away after I got to that point where I felt fairly comfortable that I was established, then I realized that, okay, this is actually a business that doesn't need me in it full time, um, doing listing appointments, doing, um, all of the, the production things that, that I was doing at that time. And so I, I really, my, my passion, what I really enjoy was being able to work with other people, whether it was new agents coming in and, and actually get them up to speed to where they could grow their business. And so I realized pretty early on that I don't, you know, in 10, 15 years, I wasn't wanting to still be going on listing appointments as my primary source of income and, um, or not primary, but as my only source. And I realized that if I was going to, if I was going to grow and scale, then ultimately the ownership piece was going to be um, a big part of that. So, you know, it started from, you know, just talking about how can we expand our businesses and how can we influence more people um, in and around our market and ended up where it is today. I mean, as you know. Yeah. And I have another partner, Matt. um, Mm -hmm. And for those that are listening, and she'll be on the podcast probably in the next month or so. um, And her name's Jan Pittman. And one of the things that 
Brendan and I and Jan are focusing on is we focus on developing talent. And that's just what he said. It's like, okay, he has a passion for developing talent, for, for helping others get to where they want to get. And that's what leadership, that's what a business owner, in my opinion, that we should be doing. We should be focusing. I think I put on Facebook earlier today. We're nothing more than a stepping stone for other people to kind of step on our backs and reach to the levels that they want to reach to. And then what we know is if we get them there, then they'll likely reach down to us and pull us up there with them. And I think that's where Brendan is. That's where I am. I know that's what Jan would probably say if she was on uh, on this podcast. So what are your biggest challenges right now uh, becoming a business owner? Yeah, so, well, the as salespeople in the industry that we're in, I think the, the biggest challenge that we probably all have is trying to find the balance between um, – growing the business, doing things that are going to help you grow and scale versus the day-to-day things that are pulling at you within the business. So one of the things that you know, I still struggle with and you continue, that's probably one of our biggest conversations from a, from a coach to player um, team member type conversation is um, think more about being outside of your business than all the stuff that you're doing in it. Work on your business versus in it because the things that we're doing in it only have, um, you know, they've got a, a, a positive effect for a short period of time. If you can take a step outside of it and say, okay, what systems do I need to change? What can I add? What can I use um, to get more out of the people that are on my team, then the scale that you can build is just, it's tenfold of what you can do individually in your production. So, you know, trying to find that balance between production and income and what I really want, um, which is, you know, to, to build a business, build um, a foundation of, of um, helping, helping other people. That's, that's the challenge. Yeah. It's also it's okay to say that one of the challenges is that um, is being attached to other people. Following the coaching, probably one of the biggest challenges for me is is wanting it so much for them that sometimes I could want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And then I carry that stress around on my shoulders when they don't even have a problem with where they are right now. I'm the only one that has a problem with it and I don't have a problem with it because I need them to lift me to the top. I have a problem with it because they told me they wanted to get to the top, but they're struggling at following all the things that they've been told, right? Following the system. Would you say that you struggle with that sometimes, Brendan? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, the, the thing that we always talk about is if when somebody comes and says, this is what I want, we'll work with them to the end ends of the earth as long as they're moving forward with that. But so many times you say what you want, but aren't willing to do it. That's the only thing that really kind of it, it's frustrating because I think in a lot of cases, maybe we do want it more, not because for us, like you said, but I think it's because we can see something that maybe they don't. And that is, that's really what drives me in, in working with our, with our agents is I was that person. I was there one time where I had no idea the opportunities. I had no idea what the proximity to people within this industry in the last 10 years would offer. 
Like I, I didn't know that. I thought a real estate agent's like a, you know, it's like a plumber. It's like a contractor. I mean, it's just another job. But this industry is unbelievable in terms of when you get in, if you'll engage the amount of people that will help and the amount of the, the, the level with what people are doing right now. And it's only going to continue. So I think yeah. we see that opportunity. And maybe that's where maybe that's where we want it more just primarily because we're trying to get their eyes open. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Matt? I know I haven't. Uh, I've taken over uh, uh, a lot of the show. Well, I, I have the, lots of thoughts. I, I, don't know if anybody wants, I don't know if anybody needs to hear my thoughts, but uh, there were a couple of good questions that I wanted to make sure we cover. And so I'm going to yeah. steer them in a certain way because they're they're in the they're relatively the same ballpark. So both Howard Feinstein and, and Donna Jarek that are both watching are kind of in the same issue where they're looking for some advice on on how to grow and how to kind of cross that chasm. Greg, you mentioned kind of the 40 to 100 deal mark. And there's two issues they they have kind of related questions one is on the staff piece and the other is on the lead gen piece so brendan let's start with uh, with you on on the lead gen piece in terms of scaling up from like 40 to 100 i mean you can you can leverage your skills and things like that but when you start bringing people on are you plugging them into kind of your lead gen system are you helping them find a lead gen system that's more tailored for them what's your approach as you built up your team to kind of scale up that part of things yeah, good question. So I can tell you with with what I did personally when I brought people on, it was typically someone who was a good fit as a team member, quote. So somebody that maybe didn't really want to invest in some of the systems, not not lead gen systems, systems like CRMs and um, maybe an admin staff, something like that. That person was a good fit. Spend some time with them and see. Okay, this is this will work well, and just basically coach them how to prospect. So over time, they were there was a, a dual benefit. They could get going started. They could get started quicker, get checks in their pocket because they'd identify leads. I'd present to them and we would list it and sell the property. So there was a benefit to them. The benefit to me is they're adding to my database. And as long as they're on my team, that person comes back in six months and wants to do a deal. They're the lead owner. They're going to get a, get a piece of that transaction. So it had to be it had to be win win. If it's not win-win, then people aren't going to stick around. Yeah, agreed. All right, let me, let me add to that. Let, let yeah, me yeah. add to this because there's something that Brendan also uh, did that he's just, maybe he's just not thinking of it right this moment. Is Brendan made a lot of contacts. Let's just call it 40 contacts a day, and, and we'll say 220 days. So that's 8,800 contacts that he made in his first year in the business. One of the things that Brendan did is. Um, is he when he you know obviously all 8800 didn't say yes there was a majority of those 8800 as a matter of fact 8800 minus 42 said no but he got a big percentage of them to give him his their email addresses and then what he did is he put those email addresses into the Infusionsoft account. Now, a lot of people know I use Infusionsoft. Brendan is my partner in Infusionsoft also, and we wrote the content together. So he put his emails addresses into Infusionsoft, and we started running campaigns on them. So not only was he actually making those 40 contacts a day, but he had our CRM, the drip system through Infusionsoft, working those leads for him. And in the second year and the third year, the database matured and started giving him a lot of come list me business. So, Brendan, I mean, this this is probably being enlightening for a lot of people. But for you, if you were to stop making calls today and all you did was 
take the incoming calls or emails from your database that say, I'm thinking about selling. You made no outbound calls. How many deals would you do this year just off of incoming inbound contacts? Yeah, so probably 50 to 60 transactions, like 56 of my transactions last year came directly from the database. So somebody that I got a check from in 2016 that I had talked with at some point prior to that. So I think that's very important. And that's just a a testimony for why you've got to, while you're making these contacts, it's not about just getting yeses right then, even though that's the ultimate prize. But all the no's you get, he figured out how to monetize the no's. So in the second year, he got yeses and he monetized the no's from the previous year. The third year, he got yeses and he monetized the no's from the first and the second year. And the fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, and that number 50 will continue to grow because the database is continuing to grow. So I think that hopefully that answers because the uh, part of the question that these people ask, it's not just about growing by adding another team member. He leveraged technology, which enabled him not necessarily to add a team member too quickly, but yet at the same token, grow his production. At a, at a high at a high level. Yeah. And you've talked and we've mentioned on the show before that the, the progression is leverage the skills, leverage technology and automation, then leverage of people. And yes, Brennan, yes, you followed that perfectly. Let, let's talk about the leverage of people. We've just got a couple minutes left before we close out. But Howard has a good uh, a good question. Uh, he says he's a you know former business owner, has had you know many employees in the past and stuff like that. But he's looking to take that next step from going from being a, a successful solo operator into making that first foray into the team. So Brandon, what was like that like for you and who did you find? And is that person still with you or has that kind of evolved? Yeah. So the, the first person that I had on in terms of a generating on my team, and this was a really, really good lesson is um, somebody that was my admin for a while period of time, did an okay job as an admin. I can say that cause he's a friend and he's still with the company, but okay. <laughs> and in fact, I almost, I almost fired him a couple different times because it was not the role. Mm. He started seeing the opportunity, which is a really, really good point. He had a, an idea of an entrepreneur right from the start. He started seeing, why am I, why am I doing this when I think I can, I had the same skill set. Maybe I'd be good at this. So he started making some calls at night, fast forward two and a half years. He was doing with me, he was probably doing 25, 30 transactions and went off on his own. Now, he went off on his own and has done awesome. He's he's another great top producer in the office, in the market. Here's a key part about this and the team. You have to be very clear on what you're looking for and what you can provide for that team member. Be very clear on what is the plan and what's the opportunity. When Mitch was with me, he was very clear on getting started. I was very clear on what I was getting. We never had a real conversation of like, what are we going to do long term with this? So when he started seeing, hey, I can do this, then he made the transition and we both probably would have benefited a little bit more with an easier transition if we would have those conversations up front because Mitch was never a team member. Mitch is a team leader. That's really his role. So it's important to have that conversation and make sure that you're making, you're, you're putting the right person in the right seat in the right bus. If you're doing that, it can last for a long time and, and everybody wins because if somebody starts feeling like they're taken advantage of, you're either going to have a fallout or you're going to have somebody that's on your team who probably business wise isn't sharp enough to really figure out what this, what the score is. 
Yeah. And then that's, that, that is kind of the struggle with hiring is you're always looking for, you want that person with capacity to grow. Uh, sometimes that capacity gives them the freedom and the options to go somewhere else. And that's yeah. fine. Like that's that there's always that kind of tension between hiring somebody where they're a great fit for now, but they don't have the capacity to grow beyond it. Um, but if they do, then you, then you put yourself at risk for them leaving and different things like that. So mm-hmm. Greg, let's, uh, let's close out with you. Any, any final words on what people can take away from Brendan's uh, story that you want to kind of just ram the point home. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, let's keep it simple. Brendan kept it very simple. He gets into the business. He plugs into a system. He follows the system. He becomes a top producer. He mentors other people. And when you start mentoring other people and you start helping other people become top producers, then that raises him up to become an entrepreneur. And I think that that's what we just need to do here is we need to think of this. Just follow the system. 40 contacts gave him a day, gave him 42 deals his first year. And then he put those people into his database. And the next year he got 60 plus deals and it just kept going. It wasn't difficult. Now today at eight o'clock, guess where Brendan was? Brendan was generating just like he did the first day he ever got in the business. He's a business owner. And today at eight o'clock from eight until nine thirty or 10, his day today looked the same as it did his first day in the business. Don't ever forget it. Even no matter how big you get, don't ever forget you what do what works and do it your entire career. Love it. All right, guys. Well, um, Brendan, why don't you share where people can connect with you if they want to follow up and uh, get your, your insights a little bit later on. Yeah. So you can um, email me directly at Brendan P Payne at gmail.com. And um, Facebook, Twitter, all those, I'm on there. So you'll be able to find me. Cool. And, and so you mentioned that you're, you're a partner with Greg on the two offices there in Charleston. So guys, if you're, if you're listening to this uh, and you are in Charleston, you want to reach out, uh, connect with Brendan, have a conversation about potentially joining the office and see kind of what programs and, uh, and the benefits there, the, the, the opportunities there with you guys. And then Greg, same thing for you. How do people connect with you? You know, real simple. Just like always, Greg Harrelson at gmail.com. Please email me. I do get a good bit of emails and I respond to every one of them. And I'm sure people are shocked that I actually do that. But uh, I welcome the emails. Very cool. All right, guys. And, and then for the podcast, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like the audio version, you can also head over to the level up slash free. And you can see the, uh, the free training that uh, Greg and I put together on marketing automation, where I really had Greg go through the, the myths and the misconceptions and the basic steps to get started with automation. Greg, you briefly alluded to it earlier, uh, the infusion soft and all the campaigns, uh, that, uh, you know, the Brandon's database is on this bringing in those 50 to 60 deals a year, which is insane. That will continue to grow grow because the automation is in place. So guys, if you want that kind of system, and part of Donna's question that I didn't get a chance to to point out was that the feeling of having to restart and revamp your business all the time, like you're starting from scratch or that you need to kind of wipe the, the, the slate clean and start over again, guys, that is very common in real estate. And Greg, essentially you gave the answer to that, which is collect the emails, keep in touch with them and build up a database of people that you have a relationship with. So you're not restarting your real estate business on January one of every year. So yeah. And I know we got, I know we got to sign off. Let me one last Mm -hmm. thing. The reason why people are always having to start brand new, like they start at zero every day. Mm -hmm. It's because they're only going after the yeses and they're not monetizing the nos. It's very simple. Yeah, that is a hundred percent true. 
Guys, and that's a major, major point. So like I said, subscribe to the podcast, go grab your free training on automation. And that will do it for today's, uh, for today's podcast episode. We appreciate everybody that watched live, everybody that commented and had questions for us, guys. Uh, keep an eye out because we would do these uh, podcasts on a regular basis. Uh, we've got uh, more coming for you and more great guests, uh, which we don't have time to go into right now. We'd love to give you a quick, a quick preview. But anyway, uh, Brandon, thanks again. Greg, as thanks, always, man. thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. Thank you. Thanks.